ahead and take your Bibles and go to the book of Mark, chapter 15 tonight. Mark, chapter 15. So we're continuing our series on service. In the first week, we talked about Jesus' example. I believe it was. I'm going to see if I have all, all of these memorized. We talked about the example that He said. A good servant needs to be an example. And then the next week, anybody remember what the next week's was? Jesus' leadership. And if we're going to uh, really make an impact, it's you know we can only do so much by ourselves, but if we recruit other people to be servants, then that's more that's getting accomplished. And of course, it all ties in together. Um, you need to lead by example. And then the third one was uh, last week, and that was Jesus' miracles. And if we're going to be able to get people's attention, get them to want to follow us, uh, we need to do some amazing things. And that means we're going to have to tap into the power of God on our own. We can't do anything on our own. There's, uh, you know, We can't do miracles, but our God can do miracles. And I'm not talk, saying you're going to go around raising people from the dead and things like that, but there are things that we can do as Christians that are extraordinary if we will uh, have faith and put our faith and trust in Christ and He can do those great things and we'll get people's attention. That's why Jesus did those miracles. And I'm not going to re-preach last week's message. But then, this next one we're going to talk about is very important if we are going to make a difference and be the kind of servants that God wants us to be. We need to, we're going to look tonight at Jesus' sacrifice that He made. And so in Mark chapter 15, verse 22, we're not going to read the whole story of the crucifixion. But boy, you know, I think it, I think it would just be a good practice pretty regular to just read the story of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We need to remind ourselves of what He did for us and the sacrifice that He made on the cross. It would be a very healthy thing for us to do as Christians. We're going to start reading in verse 22. It says, "...and they bring Him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave Him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but He received it not. And they, when they had crucified Him... They parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of the accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on the right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus, He sacrificed so much to be able to have salvation. When you read what we just read there, you know, for us, you know, we we understand why Jesus died on the cross. We understand what it was all about. But you know, I think it's good sometimes to maybe put yourself in the place of the Jewish people. Remember, they were looking for um, they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for somebody. In their mind, it was somebody that was going to come and pretty much conquer the Romans for them. They were looking for somebody to set up a kingdom that they would that would last forever. They weren't looking for a Messiah that was going to come and be nailed to a cross. I have no doubt in my mind that there was probably some people that were there watching Jesus be crucified. Maybe even some that cried out, "Crucify him!" That were almost hoping he would do something. Maybe when they were trying to tempt him to come down from the cross. 
I almost think there might have been some there. Maybe they weren't the ones yelling, but maybe people in the background just kind of hoping he would. Hoping that he would come down and then go and defeat those Romans and set up his kingdom because that was that was what they wanted. They wanted somebody to deliver them from the oppression of the Roman people. And that was what they were looking for. They weren't looking for somebody to come like a lamb and to be slain like that. And when you're expecting a king, when you're expecting somebody who's you know all-powerful and everything, and you see him being beaten like that, being spit on, being mocked, that's not really going to get you too excited. And uh, But Jesus Christ, we know He had to do that. We understand that that was absolutely necessary for us to obtain salvation. And that sacrifice He made, it was... Uh, is more than we can imagine. We can't fully comprehend what He did for us. We can't imagine what it would be like to be holy and to take our and to become our sins. We can't imagine that. What it would be like to take on the sins of the world. But we do know that He did make a sacrifice, and He wants us to follow example. And when we look at the sacrifices that He made, it ought to cause us to ask ourselves a few questions. And this is what I want you to do tonight. I want you to think about this because if we're going to be a good servant, I mean, it'd probably be a good idea to write these things down and maybe sometime by yourself. I mean, pray about these things and just and really think about it. I want you to ask yourself these questions. And one of them is, just, what am I willing to give up for others? Now we said so we can't fully understand what all Jesus gave up. We can't imagine leaving heaven and coming to earth. Now we can, you know, we can, I guess, draw some comparisons. You know, I, I just greatly admire people who live in America. Okay, well, you know, as goofed up as some things are in this country, I still love this country. And I'm glad we live here. I'm not looking to move to any other country. I, I like, I like America. I like living here. But boy, I admire people who will pack up everything they have and they will move to another country, maybe a dangerous one. Maybe one that's a third world country that doesn't have all the luxuries and things that we have here just to go give people the Gospel. I, I admire that. I think that's a wonderful thing. I'm very thankful for our missionaries and the people that I know personally that do that, that have given up the comforts of home, that they've given up some of the luxuries and things that we have. I remember, I believe it, might, I believe it may have been Bob Johnson. This was years ago. He was telling us about when... Um, you know his kids. They'd been in the mission for a long time. I'm not sure that there was, this was him, but I remember uh, this missionary was telling the story about how when they came home on furlough, one of his daughters, uh, who was pretty young, I mean, was all excited when they went and stayed in a hotel room and was just having so much fun running around the hotel room barefooted because it had carpet. She wasn't used to carpet, and it just felt neat. Walking barefoot on carpet. I remember the same missionary said they went in. They went there into the hotel room. So this was several years ago, and they uh, one of the little girls went in there to go take a bath and got scared and came running out because she had turned on the water and it was hot. wasn't used to having hot water. And you know, us in America, we think about stuff like that. And we're just like, what in the world? And these are people too that could have all these things if they wanted to, but they've given them up. And these people are—they are—they're wonderful servants. And we've got to ask ourselves that question because a servant 
is going to have to make some sacrifices. A servant, uh, there, uh, one of the things, if we're going to be a good servant, one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, am I willing to do without material things? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. You know, this probably is one of the biggest things that stops people from being obedient to God in many areas. Because in our country today, one of our major gods that we have are possessions, money. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. That's well, that's a word. Many do not know the meaning of contentment. Godliness with contentment. If you've got, if you're godly and you're content, boy, you're in a great position right there. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know that statement, you can't take it with you. That's biblical. You can't. Came in with nothing or leave with nothing. And having food and raiment therewith, let us be therewith content. Food and raiment. If you have something to eat and if you have clothes to wear, the Bible says, be content with that. Now listen, I'm not for having nice things. I'm all for nice cars, nice clothes, nice houses. I mean, if the Lord's blessed you with those things, uh, I think that's fine, that's wonderful. But boy, I sure hope you're content with it. It's amazing how the things that people have in this country and they're miserable and they feel like victims. They feel like they don't have anything. And... The Bible says not to be that way. If you've got food and clothing, be content. Verse 9 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I mean, you all have seen this before. People that... They should be content with what they have, but there's this trap that you can get in. If you're not careful, you can get to loving that money so much. You can get to loving those possessions so much that they literally, they'll steal your joy. They'll consume your life. You have plenty. I mean, everything you need, all you should need to be content, but you're not. You're miserable, and there's so many people like that out there, and they're in a trap, and they don't even realize it. And we've got to make sure that we don't fall into that trap. And a servant, person with that servant's attitude, they're not interested in what they can get for themselves. They're too busy thinking about other people. If you're focusing on yourself, if you're only looking at your problems, you're going to feel like a victim sometimes because there's always going to be somebody out there who has more than you. There's going to be somebody with a nicer car, nicer clothes. There's going to be somebody that's better looking. I mean, across the board, somebody's going to have more than you in those areas. But when you have a servant's attitude, and when you're like Christ, who was coming to this earth not so man could do something for him, but so he could do something for man, you're going to be so focused on other people's needs, you're not even going to realize just how bad off you are. I mean, if anybody should have realized that they how bad off they were, it should have been Jesus. I mean, I would have understood if he when he was out there. In that desert for forty, or out in the wilderness for forty days, he's saying, "You know what? When I was in heaven, I didn't have to worry about this. I, when he was in heaven, he never had to feel the pains of hunger or thirst or anything like that. He, I mean, I can't even imagine the physical pain that came over him and how uncomfortable it probably was out there. And yet, but Jesus Christ, you never see him complaining." 
He was too focused on His mission. And His mission was to come and make the sacrifice for mankind. And you got to ask, if I'm willing to do without material things, many people today, they won't give towards missions. They won't give in the house of God because they're too busy thinking about what they might have to give up. And really, what is it that we would probably have to give up? Maybe have to get a cheaper cable package? Have you know 60 channels instead of 100 channels? I mean, those are the things that we think are sacrifices. Maybe have you know one car instead of two cars or two cars instead of three cars? Maybe we're going to have to buy cheaper clothing. I mean, these are the things that we look at sometimes as huge sacrifices. I might have to start cooking at home instead of eating out. Those are what we think are huge are huge things and are stopping people from being obedient to God. And we're in a bad situation when we're so focused on little things like that that we can't do anything for God. You know, I... I like technology as much as anybody else. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of cool toys and things out there. But you know, some people, they are so focused on getting all of those things that they'd never be able to give to missions. They're, they've got too many toys that they need to buy. they got their stuff that they worship. You know, guys, they like to talk about their stuff and the, the, their possessions and things. And, you know, don't mess with my stuff. And it's, it's their world to them. And it's like, you know... That's a pretty shallow world when you stop and think about it. And we ought to be willing to give those things up. And you ought to ask yourself, you know, am I willing to do without material things? Am I willing to suffer pain for others? And not just physical pain, but physical pain and emotional pain. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Verses 1. This verse here, this is of course a prophetic verse talking about the Messiah, talking about Jesus Christ. It says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is talking about the Messiah here, okay? Now listen, remember, this is in Isaiah. Chapter 53. Remember in Isaiah chapter 6 when he got just a glimpse of God? I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. I mean, when Isaac just got a glimpse of the glory of God, he couldn't, he couldn't hardly handle it. I mean, he just he fell on his face and he said, woe is me. Moses, when he was up on the mountain and he saw just the back parts of God, it literally made his face shine to where people couldn't even handle looking at Moses. Okay? That's what our God looks like. But yet, when he came to earth, the Bible says there's nothing special when you look at him. He hath, there's, there's no form or comeliness that he would be desired. Verse 3 He is despised and rejected of men. Remember in Isaiah chapter 6, the seraphims, they, uh, they were, they surrounded the throne singing out, holy, holy, holy. He had the seraphims, he had the angels, the cherubims all there praising God day and night, getting what he deserved in heaven. But then he comes to earth, he's despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. 
Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes ye are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to His own way, and the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before her shears is dumb, so openeth he not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. We see here that uh, this sacrifice that Jesus made, it was he suffered physical pain, he suffered emotional pain. Okay, just because he was God in the flesh didn't mean he didn't hurt. Physically and emotionally. Jesus hurt while He was on earth. Jesus wept on His earth. Verse 9, And He made His grave with the wicked and with the rich in His death because He had done no violence, neither was any deceit in His mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He hath put Him to grief. When thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin, He shall see His seed, He shall prolong His days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. Boy, I mean, we... The, the physical and emotional pain that Jesus Christ went through on this earth. He left heaven being praised, being loved, and came to this earth, was despised, rejected, I mean beaten, bruised. That's the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That's what Jesus went through. And you know what? In doing and living for God, there may be some suffering that comes, maybe physical suffering. I remember one of our missionaries that we had, I forgot where he was at. I remember seeing a picture one time. They got attacked by some people. He got stabbed in the arm and was bleeding all over the place. I've heard lots of stories of men that were, and women sometimes, that were beat up out on the mission field by these people. People that they're just trying to minister. People that they have just been trying to love and they steal from them. They physically abuse them. But yet, they keep on doing it. You know what? That's. That's a real servant's heart right there. Willing to sacrifice. Brother Johnson, I remember he told us about these missionaries that were on deputation for several years to go there to Haiti. And he went and he met them there at the airport when they came in. And a week later, like a week later, maybe two weeks, he was around the airport for some reason or in that area. And he saw those folks again. And they were heading back home. And he asked them what was going on. And he said, we got robbed. This isn't what we came for. And they went back home. And I remember Brother Johnson, he just said, Man, we get robbed all the time. <laughs> and he's been through way worse than that. But his attitude is, hey, this is what God's called me to do. And he's, they've suffered physical pain. And they've suffered the, the emotional pain. And many people aren't willing to do that. You know, if you serve God, if you go and you put yourself out there, somebody's going to hurt you. Emotionally, you go and you try something. You do your best. You know, you go and you teach a Sunday school class. Somebody's going to have something to say negative about how you do it. You get up and sing in church. Somebody's probably going to say something one of these days about how that's not very good, or uh, you're playing this, whatever it is. Somebody's going to criticize you along the lines. You're going to get. There might be some emotional pain that comes with that. If you go and you put yourself out there for somebody and you go and you sacrifice and you try to help them, they may hurt you emotionally, 
But if we have the right attitude like Christ, the attitude of a servant, that hey, my job is to be there for others. My job is to do what I can to help others. Then you're going to be okay. Because the truth is, the, the right kind of servant, especially back in those days, these people understood that, hey, they were the servant or, and they had a master. And that if they were out maybe on a journey and they were getting tired, the master was getting tired, they would carry his things for him. If they were out on a journey and the master was cold, they would go and they would let the master maybe wear their coat. They would do whatever they could to keep them more comfortable than themselves because that was the master, they were the servant. Now, in our day and age, you know, oh, you know, we're, you know, nobody's better than anybody else, and yeah, that's true. I understand that, but we ought to. You think we talked about it a week or two before? We're to esteem others better than ourselves. That's the way that we ought to act towards other people. To, uh, to be willing to serve. Psalms chapter fifteen, verse one through five. I want to read this passage to you. It says, "Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle?" Who shall dwell on thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and he that worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I think this here is a pretty good portrait of a servant. I want you to notice that part that says, He that sweareth to his own hurt. You know, in keeping your promises that you make to God, and keeping your promises that you make to others, it may mean you have to get hurt. It may mean you have to suffer. In other words, if I if I tell you, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something for you that might end up hurting me somehow. It might end up making me uncomfortable in some area. I talked about this morning. You know, you go and you make somebody a promise, you need to keep it. You're better off not making the promise than to make a promise and not keep it. But you know what? There's been times in the past where I've told folks, hey, I'll do this for you. And then later on, something else came up. Or I got really busy. And I had to think, oh, I don't want to keep that promise. I don't know if I, I I'm, I'm too tired, I'm too wore out, and you know what? Sometimes I've just had to say, you know what? I'm just going to have to do it anyway. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I've got other things I need to be doing, but I made a promise. And even though it's going to hurt me a little bit, even though this might even hurt me financially, it's a promise I made, and I'm going to put. When it comes to priorities, I'm going to put myself below everybody else. I think any father, you know, we believe the father is the leader in the home. But you know, a father also, being a leader, is a servant too. I mean, uh, you know, mothers too, of course, are over the kids. However, there's a lot of service that goes with being a mother. I think any mom uh, would agree with that. There's a lot of cooking and cleaning and things that you have to do. And one of the things that we also know about a good mother and a good father, is they will do without before they're going to let their children do without. I promise. I'm going to starve to death before I let my kids starve to death. And that's the kind of attitude that we ought to have. 
Because and it's easy with our children because you know they're our children. You just can't help but love them, even when they're even when you're wanting to strangle them. Sometimes you still can't help but loving your kids, and you would do that. But we ought to have that same kind of attitude towards other people. And if we would if we would do that, uh, we're really we're following the example of Jesus Christ and being willing to sacrifice. And you know the truth is that sacrifice that. Jesus made is one of the things that has, that causes us to love Him. And the Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. I, I can honestly tell you that I, I love my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But He initiated that. He started it. It wasn't me. The Bible says that there's no man that seeketh after God. He came looking for you. You didn't go looking for Him. There's people that talk about, you know, I went on this quest to, you know, to find you know, truth or whatever, and you know that if you found Christ, it wasn't because you went looking; it's because He was looking for you. It was Him that was calling you. He is the initiator of it. And if we would do that towards other people, you might be surprised they might end up turning around and loving you. But you're going to have to be willing to allow yourself to suffer some hurt, and it will. It'll, you know, it'll, it breaks your heart sometimes. Uh, the people that you try to be a blessing to. I can think about so many kids I remember on our bus route that just you know, love these kids. We did whatever we could for them. Spent a lot of time with them. And then it seemed like most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time they hit those teenage years or go into high school and you never see them again. It was like they forgot all about it. And it, it hurt. It was sad, but you know what? You just You kept going. And thankfully there was people it did hang around. You know, it it blesses my heart every time I'm around my dad's church. There's a few uh there's a couple teenagers there that were from the bus route that they've stayed faithful to church. They're still going. I mean they they don't come from Christian families, but yet they're still there in the house of God. They're still faithful. Some of them are even working. And I just this last Christmas they were doing a Christmas program on a Saturday and one of the girls was there that was and she sang a solo. And just real sweet girl. I think she's probably getting close to 15 right now. And she's a bus worker now. And she's helping out. Doesn't have to. She wants to. And man, that kind of thing, that's rewarding. But you know what? There's more of the other ones. And a lot of people quit because they get hurt. And we need to be willing to suffer. We need to be willing to suffer pain. Because I guarantee you, we hurt Christ more than we make Him feel good. But am I willing to suffer pain for this? And the last question, am I willing to be humbled? Am I willing to be humbled? When we are, well, a lot of these things that we're talking about, if we're honest, they kind of leave a bad taste in our mouth. I mean, honestly, you know, when I'm, when we talk about a servant and a master, oh, wait a minute, you know, we don't, we don't believe in slavery, and of course we don't believe in, we don't believe in slavery, but I mean, that just, you know, a servant and a master. I mean, no, that that's just not right. There's something wrong with that. The servant has to sacrifice for the master. If the master's cold, the servant's got to be colder. I mean, if the master's tired, the servant's got to be even more tired. What's that all about? I don't like this. I don't like the sound of that. And listen, I don't believe. I don't believe in slavery. I don't think it was ever right for people to be forced to. You know work for somebody and not be allowed the freedom to leave. But the truth is, 
whether we like it or not, we were owned by the devil. We were owned by sin. We were in bondage to sin. And Jesus Christ, He purchased us with His blood. He bought us. He has called us to be His servants. And we ought to be obedient to Him. We ought to be doing what He expects us to do. And He wants us to serve other people. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. That's what Jesus said to do. But that takes humility. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. That's the mindset. The mindset of Jesus. I'm not thinking about myself. Okay, If I'm thinking about myself, I'm going to want to be the Master. If I'm thinking about myself, I'm going to try to think, okay, how, how can I get more servants? How can I get more people working for me? How can I get, you know, the more people I've got working for me, the more people I have under my control, well, the better that's going to be for me. Okay? But, I'm not supposed to be looking out just for myself. I'm supposed to be looking out for other people. That's what Jesus did. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. Did you know when Jesus Christ was on this earth that He was still equal with God? He was still one of the parts of the Trinity. I mean, people. there were a few people while Jesus was on earth that worshipped Him. And you know, He never rebuked those people because it was fine for them to worship Jesus Christ. It was fine for them to bow before Him. It was fine for them to pray. Jesus Christ was equal with God, but yet the type of worship He deserved, there's not one time you can ever see Him getting it. But it says, Jesus made Himself of no reputation and took on Him the form of a servant. The form of a servant. What does a servant look like? Okay. Well, you know, I guess we don't have costumes for servants. But you know, if you see me walking, if I was walking around town and I had somebody that was following me around, and everything I tell them to do, they do. They're carrying my stuff. I mean, they're opening doors for me. They're opening the car door for me. I mean, they're doing they're doing all that stuff for me. I guess that's a servant. Somebody who's just going around doing everything for somebody else. That's what Jesus did. When He was on this earth, He didn't have very much, but yet He gave so much to other people. He went around performing the miracles. He went around feeding the multitudes. I mean, He did one thing after another for other people. He literally, that whole time, during His three-year ministry, He was just serving. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That took great humility to stand there and to be beaten like he was. They blindfolded him and said, Prophesy, who was it that smote thee? He could have told them who it was. He could have said he could have told them their name. He could have told them everything about them. And you know what would have happened? Those people would have gotten real scared and they'd have stopped. Can you imagine if Jesus would have just started he did it with the woman at the well? It was clear he knew everything about her. If that first guy goes and punches him in the face, and he all he had to do, this is your name, this is what you've done. I guarantee you that guy's going to take off running because he's not going to want to hear about it. The next guy's getting ready to punch Christ. Jesus could said, "I'm about to be punched by so and so. 
So and so, you got a lot of anger problems because of, and just went on naming off all of his problems, and I guarantee it, nobody would have touched him. They wouldn't have done it. Jesus could have went to Pilate. Pilate, who, when he's standing before him, Jesus could have said, told every Pilate everything about himself. Could have scared Pilate. He could have told Pilate about the secret things in his life that he didn't want everybody else to know, and he could have scared Pilate into letting him go. He could have done it that easy. When he's there on the cross and he's being spit on, he could have stopped any one of those people just with the words of his mouth. But he didn't do that. He humbled himself. To, to, you know, as a savior, somebody who was holy, who followed all the laws, to be stripped naked like he was. I mean, can't even imagine what that would be like. But he did that to be beaten. I mean, it's it's humiliating to be spit on. I just—it's disgusting, and it is—it's—it's it's humiliating. But he did that. And the Bible says, "Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name." Because of that humbling that Jesus did, you know, we've talked about this before. The greater we humble ourselves, the greater that God is able to exalt us. But we've got to ask them, "Am I willing to be humbled? Am I willing to be seen?" looking like a Christian, acting like a Christian. That can be humbling. Am I willing to be seen you know, giving out the Gospel? That can be humbling. You, know, you, you give the Gospel to some people, they're going to make fun of you. Sometimes the most difficult people in the world to witness to are friends and family. You know why? Because you're opening yourselves up to some serious ridicule sometimes. And it hurts the most from those people. Because we care what they think. I mean, everybody wants to be liked by all their family and friends and neighbors. But in being obedient to the Scriptures, you may have to humble yourselves. You may have to not be the most popular person at the family reunion. It's not fun. It's humbling. Sometimes people look at Christians in the stands and things that we make and... You know, they look at it as us thinking we're better, but the truth is, it's humbling to do that. It's humbling to have to have, humbling to have to go and to say, "Hey, you know, we can't be around this. That's not going to make us popular. That's not going to make us liked." But Jesus Christ, He was willing to do that, and He's asked us to follow His example and to be willing to sacrifice. And I think one of the biggest reasons we're not having the impact that we ought to be having in our world today is we're not willing to give up anything. We're not willing to do without anything. We're not willing to suffer any type of physical or emotional pain. There's been many people that have said, I don't want to have anything to do with the ministry simply because and they will talk about a time when they got hurt. And hey, you know, nobody ever said this thing was easy. It would be pretty sad if you know, said I. Somebody maybe they were a soldier in the military, and they go and they were out there for a while. They went. They they go through basic training and then they go AWOL. It's like I didn't know they were say. Hey, I didn't know basic training was going to be hard. They make me exercise out there. I got yelled at by my sergeant. He got in my face and yelled at me. That'd be pretty humbling. I'll bet. I've seen the videos where those guys get off the bus and they're just screaming in their faces. That's humbling. Somebody screams in my face, I'm going to scream back or I'm going to deck them one. But 
You got to humble yourself. Yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. No, sir. That's humbling. That's humbling. But that's that's what God has asked us to do. And if we would do that, we could make a difference. Because if you ask me, I don't think we've got a problem with too much humility in our world today. We've got a pride problem. One of the reasons people want those material things so much, it's about it's about looking good. It's about impressing other people. Now, I can't drive that car. What will everybody think? Who cares? Is it going to get you where you want to go? I can't wear those clothes. You know what would what will people think? There's a Walmart. Don't ever bash Walmart clothes. I know they don't last long, but <laughs> that's that's uh, that's half my wardrobe right there. Walmart and Walmart and Kohl's probably. But hey, that listen, we're, we're okay with that. We're willing to suffer some pain. And you know, and the truth is, one of the things you don't ever see Jesus do. Jesus didn't. You never see him talking about that. You don't ever hear Jesus talking about all his suffering. Other people talked about his suffering. You know, sometimes people they all they'll they like to just tell all the stories about all the pain and suffering they've gone through and all the people that hurt them and all the all the times they've been done wrong. And you know I understand that I think maybe it's good therapy sometimes, but you know, welcome to the club. It's just goes with the territory sometimes. And we ought to be willing to do that. Jesus's Sacrifice. We've got to be willing to give up some things. And I hope you guys. Let's all stand together tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed.